Hello everyone, welcome once again to A Reason for Hope. We're here with you again for another hour of your questions on the Bible. That's right, we are all about your questions on the Bible. We love the Word, we love the Lord, we love His Word and His truth, and we love to connect you with it by way of your questions. So if you have questions about the Bible, could be a verse or passage of Scripture, maybe something you're even going through in your life, you'd like to know what the biblical perspective is on that. Maybe Christianity as a whole, you're more of a seeker perhaps, have questions about what Christianity is, maybe even other world uh, views and religions as they relate to the Bible. Any question along those lines, as long as it's an honest and sincere question, as long as you know that we are going to use the Bible to find the answers, that's what we're about here at Reason for Hope. So we're live on multiple platforms that you can join us on and send your questions in. I'll be going over those uh, platforms in just a moment, but we're very glad you joined us, however and wherever you are joining us from. We're glad you're here with us for the next hour. My name's Dave Robson. I'm your host. I'll be, like I say, I'll be on surfing all those platforms, making sure I get your questions coming in with us today. It's just me and Pastor Scott Richards here. He's a senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship at Tucson. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, you look fantastic. Well, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and so do you. We've, well, got yeah, well, thank you. We've got a mutual admiration that's, society. That's what I was fishing here. for. I yes. was fishing with this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Just kidding. And you're going to give us a little uh, update as well. You've yeah. been... Um, keeping us up to date on the goings-on in Israel. That's right. And as well, on, on Sundays, you've been doing a series um, on a prophecy update as well. I wanted to mention that people can catch up on that on our um, archives. I can go over that in a minute as well. But um, this Sunday, the same? Is it going to be a prophecy this Sunday here at Cavalry? I Shum think we Fellowship? actually may be back into the Book of Acts. Back into the Book of Acts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a really interesting study about uh, how God guides us in life, uh, maybe in some ways that we don't anticipate. Oh. Really fascinating insight into that in Acts 17. So. Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, as okay. I mentioned, we're um, Calvary Christian Fellowship. A Reason for Hope is an outreach um, of that. We are um, Calvary Chapel Church. So you often find, I think pretty much 100% of the time, we teach through the word verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We've been in the book of uh, Acts on Sundays and the book of um, Ezekiel on Wednesday evenings. But Pastor Scott has done a bit of a prophecy update series for the last uh, handful of weeks as well. So if you're in the Tucson area, you're more than welcome to come and join us. Let me go to the right page here. There it is. There's my <laughs> laptop. <laughs> um, like I say, Reason for Hope, we're live with you Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Um, Calvary Christian Fellowship, as I mentioned, it's an outreach of our church here in Tucson, Arizona. So if you're in the Tucson area, welcome to come along Wednesday evenings, Sunday mornings, um, or just check out our live stream of our services as well. CalvaryChristianFellowship.com is our website. You can go to that watch live tab. Whenever we're live, we stream to this page. You can go straight to it, ccftucson.online.church. You can literally type that right into your browser, ccftucson.online.church. We'll take it to that same page or the link from calvarychristianfellowship.com. Uh, but we stream A Reason for Hope Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. And uh, Wednesday and Sunday services here at Calvary Christian Fellowship as well. I mentioned while I remember this uh, Thursday and Friday, we won't be doing Reason for Hope. So you your thanksgiving break with your family but we'll be back with you on monday but we'll be here today and tomorrow and wednesday of this week um uh, before we take that thanksgiving break so i'll mention that while i think too we're on uh facebook as well live facebook.com slash ccf tucson or calvary christian fellowship of tucson just search for us there you'll see the the picture of uh, pastor scott there on the banner that's our facebook page and we are live there you can send your question in uh through uh, that method just through the uh, chat 
box there and I'll be right there with you receiving your questions which we'll get to later in the show. We have an app as well. If you look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson in your app store, you can download our app. On the app as well, we have archives. If you go to uh, media, I believe it is, if you look for that, the Lion and the Lamb graphic, the prophecy update, you can uh, watch those messages that I mentioned uh, over the last couple of weeks that Pastor Scott's been doing. If you missed those and would like to catch up on that, they're all archived there along with our other services and books of the Bible. There's lots of resources there for you. So all of that on our app, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, that you can download on your mobile device. And then we have a channel on Roku and Apple TV. And there's archives on there as well that you can you can check out if you missed anything. Um, YouTube as well is a great place um, for archive. Anytime we've been live, it automatically archives there. So it's one of the most immediate ways you can catch up on something you missed. But A Reason for Hope on YouTube is the name of the channel. Uh, you uh, can watch us live there right now and send your question in through the uh, chat function, the comments as well. And I'll be checking those as we go along. But as I mentioned, go to that live tab. Anytime we've been live, there's an archive there for you. If you missed a show, wanted to catch up on that. We're on Twitter as well. Pastor Scott is Scott R4H. Uh, and again, a very another immediate way to uh, keep in touch with us. He posts there about the goings on in the world and commentary, especially from a biblical perspective, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And uh, some uh, interesting uh, interactions we've been able to have on our Twitter feed uh, about the uh, 50th anniversary of uh, the events that were depicted in the Jesus Revolution film. Oh. Uh, Brian Duncan, who was uh, uh, a uh, Dove and Grammy Award-winning Christian artist, uh, key member of the Sweet Comfort Band, one of the pioneers of uh, Christian rock, uh, talked about being at that and had some uh, mm. really interesting mixed emotions about the whole thing. And uh, oh, really? so if uh, you'd like to uh, explore that a little bit, uh, yeah. we uh, interacted a bit on our Twitter feed about uh, these sort of things, uh, you know, who the uh, Calvary OGs uh, yeah. are who are still around yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, which ones uh, seem to be uh, capturing that spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, that was uh, that made the Jesus Revolution what it was, right. and maybe some that haven't uh, yeah. fallen by the wayside. Uh, so interesting interaction yeah. uh, with a guy like Brian Duncan, who was uh, a front row setter. Yeah. Uh, so that that's one of the advantages of uh, that uh, Twitter or X or whatever they call it these yep. days that is that you do get the opportunity to be able to interact with uh, people along that line and explore some of those issues. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So once again, Scott R4 H on Twitter, Scott uh, Letter. R, number four. R is a letter, not a number. Letter R, number four, letter H. Scott R for H on Twitter. You can follow along uh, with that. Sounds very interesting indeed. We're on Rumble as well, not live, but we post uh, video content there if you're using the Rumble platform, A Reason for Hope, Bible Q&A. And questionsforhope at gmail.com is our email address. Questions for Hope, spelled out at gmail.com. You're welcome to send your question there as well. I'll be checking all of those platforms if you see steam coming from a laptop that's why i'll be jumping around making sure i catch <laughs> all of your questions as they come in today so again any bible question you have you're welcome to send that in pastor scott's going to give us a little update a little i just keep saying little may not be little might be big i don't know why it's a habit now uh, but uh, after that we will get to your questions on the show here so once again we're, we're glad for your questions glad that you're joining us for this next hour here at reason for hope and we'd love to pause and pray for our show, as we always do. 
we want the Lord to speak and lead us, obviously, in his truth. So, Absolutely. Yeah, would you like to do that? Yeah, please. Uh, Father, I thank you that we have the privilege of being able to speak to you. We want to speak to you from the heart, Lord. We, we, we want to realize that you are a God uh, that searches us and knows us. You know, our down-sitting, our uprising, you scrutinize our, our path and our lying down, intimately acquainted with all of our ways. Lord, uh, what a beautiful thing it is that you see uh, what's going on in the hearts and minds of every person that's going to participate in this broadcast, either by listening uh, or watching or by actively participating. And Lord, you have very special plans, very special blessings you want to give to them uh, through this wonderful blessing we have of your inspired and inerrant word. So Lord, we look forward to your spirit uh, doing exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think as you always do. Uh, Lord, we look uh, forward to miracles taking place as a result of your word being shared here today, even the miracle uh, perhaps of someone on the outside looking in at a relationship with you, coming to know you in these dark and distressing times, mm -hmm. uh, realizing that because of what you've done, Jesus, dying on the cross and rising from the dead for us, uh, that there is hope even in this uh, hopelessly uh, tangled world that we live in. Thank you, Lord, for the uh, possibility of being born again. Thank you for the brand new start you give us in Christ. I pray that you would beckon those that don't know these blessings into your forever family as a result of this broadcast today. Thank you for uh, Dave, and thank you for this time that we have to share together uh, with each other and uh, with everybody in the listening audience. But most importantly, Lord, with you. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, and we appreciate you for keeping us up to date with what's going on out in Israel and the Middle East, certainly from a biblical perspective. I know I appreciate hearing that from you, what it's uh, laid on us, what yeah. is going well, on. Well, uh, we're going to try to keep it as succinct as possible. A lot of stuff, obviously, that we could talk about, but uh, the... Uh, uh, the two main issues, uh, one that is uh, really creating a bit of an international hue, cry, and uproar, is that uh, a couple of developments have happened as far as tactics in uh, the Gaza war. Uh, one of them is the tactic uh, that has been used by what are called the Houthi rebels. These are uh, individuals that are the uh, wholly owned subsidiary of the Mad Mullahs in Tehran that operate out of the country of Yemen in the south part of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. Uh, what they have done is they have uh, officially hijacked what they called an Israeli ship uh, in the Gulf of Aden, which is in that particular area. If you've ever seen the movie Captain Phillips, uh, you know about the uh, Somalis and how uh, the Muslims in Somalia uh, used uh, hijacking to uh, uh, basically underwrite and equip uh, their al-Shabaab uh, version of uh, Islamic terrorism. Well, apparently that technique is now being used on uh, tanker ships and uh, international shipping lanes. Well, once again, evil has a funny way of overplaying its hand. Uh, and I believe that this is an example of this because uh, the international community pretty much rose as one to condemn this particular act, especially in light of the fact that uh, the Galaxy Explorer, the uh, ship that was uh, hijacked, uh, was uh, obliquely an Israeli ship in that it was originally owned by an Israelite uh, shipping magnate, but it was a ship that had been uh, rented out to a British company. It's now under uh, Bahamian registry, uh, and uh, its captain and its crew, although the Houthis said that they had captured 25 Israelis and the captain and the crew, not a single one of them were Israelis. 
Uh, they're all from other countries, including the Ukraine, of all places. Uh, so uh, this is an example where the, the Houthis have ended up with egg on their face. Uh, the international community is just saying no, no, a thousand times no to this sort of thing. Uh, and it uh, is uh, very revealing of the kind of people that we are dealing with in this set of circumstances. The other interesting tactic before we get to the big story that is uh, breaking uh, is that uh, for the first time, uh, according to the Jerusalem Post, Israel has shot down an incoming missile using a guided laser weapon. Uh, there have been a lot of statements made about Israel developing a, a laser-based version of uh, what you could call the Iron Dome anti-missile defense system. And the thing about a laser-based system is this. Uh, you don't have to restock it with rockets. Uh, if you can use a uh, concentrated laser beam to knock out rockets as they come on in, well, uh, you've got a very effective defense system and a virtually unlimited defense system. Mm -hmm. The strategy that uh, Hezbollah in uh, Lebanon had uh, bankrolled themselves on was uh, having, uh, as a uh, gift from the Iranians, over 250,000 rockets. And so although the Israeli Iron Dome anti-missile system, we've seen examples of this, uh, works very, very effectively. Uh, sooner or later, if you can shoot enough rockets at it, you pretty much run out of anti-rocket rockets mm. and uh, overwhelm the system, and then you can attack with impunity. Mm. Well, if that laser system is now up and running and is actually taking out rockets, as was reported today, uh, that changes uh, the, the whole battlefield. It changes the whole system and may explain why Hezbollah in Lebanon has been very, very reticent to get involved uh, with this battle. Some say it's because there's a United States carrier group uh, that is in the Western uh, Mediterranean and the Iranians don't want to get involved with that. I'm not so sure that's the case because uh, we also read uh, lots of stories about this seemingly schizophrenic uh, foreign policy that we have in that region. Uh, dispatching large U.S. resources to the region, good, seemingly a very strong stand with Israel. But uh, over the weekend, there was a, a story that was reported that Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, was busy freeing up another $10 billion, with a B, uh, worth of uh, dollars for the Iranians to use. Now, we saw what the Iranians did with $6 billion that uh, were released. Uh, you know, the, uh, the situation with uh, Gaza was probably financed along those lines, as well as the Houthi rebels, uh, Hezbollah in the north. And so we kind of wonder, what's the deal? Are we pro-Israel or are we equipping Israel's enemies? Right. We really don't understand that. Well, you know, the, the, the bottom line is uh, there were people that uh, thought that the, uh, the Hezbollah uh, terrorists didn't want to launch their rockets uh, because they were afraid that that would uh, beckon the United States to be involved. We can certainly hope that that's the case. Mm -hmm. But if, in fact, Israel is, um, well, putting its card, its laser defense missile anti-missile system card on the table, that may explain why Hezbollah has not launched an attack. It's pure speculation, obviously, but I think it's founded. Uh, if Israel demonstrates that it can knock all these missiles out of the air uh, and uh, that this system is also capable of dealing with ballistic missiles like the ones Iran has developed, well, even Iran's nuclear program, in a sense, becomes uh, moot. Right. because you can knock a missile out of the air before it can deliver a nuclear payload. Right. Uh, so uh, this could be a game changer in a lot, a lot, a lot 
of uh, different ways. Yeah. So uh, very interesting things going on there, and we'll certainly uh, keep in uh, on watching that. Big story, the biggest story, uh, is a story uh, that ran in uh, the Jerusalem Post, the uh, headline, U.S. says hostage deal close, uh, cabinet meets with family representatives. At the White House, National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters, we're closer than we've ever been, but nothing is done until it's done. Now, this sounds very exciting when we stop and consider that there are 240-some hostages being held somewhere in the tunnel system in Gaza mm-hmm. right now. Uh, the idea of uh, hostages being released sounds good until we read the fine print. Uh, the fine print is only 50 of the hostages are being talked about being released. Uh, the uh, Gulf state of Qatar is apparently the one that is serving as the intermediary between uh, the uh, leaders in Hamas, uh, the Hamas terror group, and uh, the United States and uh, Israel uh, playing this mediating role. Uh, the uh, deal supposedly revolves around a group of women and children. Uh, so uh, very interesting, uh, according to unconfirmed reports, uh, the deal in the work could include only 50 of the hostages that would be freed in exchange for the release of Palestinian females and minors jailed for security concerns. Uh, among the sticking points has been the Hamas request for a five-day ceasefire a step Israel is reluctant to take as it continues its military campaign to oust Hamas from Gaza. It fears that a temporary pause could become a permanent one or that could allow Hamas to regroup and rearm. Well, if it does become permanent, then Hamas has survived the storm and remained intact. Its four uh, billionaire leaders uh, have gotten away unscathed after uh, the horrible atrocity of more Jews dying in a single day than any time since the Holocaust. Uh, Also, uh, the uh, incredibly unhelpful uh, Palestinian Authority uh, got uh, involved with all of this by uh, broadcasting and uh, a number of credible news outlets. I'm not sure I can use the term credible news outlet in the same (laughs) sentence anymore, uh, but ran a story saying that uh, the uh, slaughter of 200-some people at a uh, concert that was going on out in that region was actually done by Israeli helicopters uh, that they shot into the crowd and it was a provocative thing and that's what they went on an excuse to go and invade Gaza. Well, this has been completely and totally discredited. How? By body armor cameras that were worn by the Hamas terrorists as they were slaughtering people at the concert itself. Uh, this, this is a complete myth. Uh, this is a complete, uh, piece of propaganda. And, you know, it's really interesting. Even, uh, I would say very left leaning, leaning commentators like, uh, HBO's Bill Maher, his real time program have started to go out of their way to say that the mainstream media has an incredibly strong bias towards supporting Hamas and all of this. You know, why would they support Hamas? We've got to understand uh, what uh, essentially people have been taught uh, in our universities over the last 30, 40 years or so. It's been straight up Marxism. And Marxism states that the uh, people that are uh, at a disadvantage militarily are by definition the oppressed. And that uh, because they are oppressed, they are uh, morally 
uh, beyond reproach. Whatever they do can be excused because they are an oppressed category. And anyone uh, attacking such people is, by definition, an oppressor, mm. by definition, evil, and must be resisted at all costs. Mm. So you see this spin that has gone on mm -hmm. that somehow uh, Israel going in and wanting to defend itself against this unprovoked, wanted, horrible slaughter. Who broke the ceasefire? Not Israel, but Hamas. Who gave uh, the Palestinians control over Gaza? It wasn't Gaza taking it from Israel. It was Israel giving this territory to Hamas. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you go down the rabbit hole, if you will, and find yourself in Wonderland, mm -hmm. uh, go beyond the looking glass, you get this distorted point of view that is going on. So uh, we, we really need to realize that uh, when people are, are saying that we need a ceasefire here, what they're really saying is, no, we need to leave Hamas in power here. And Israel will not go along with that no, no matter what. Encouragingly, uh, spokesman John Kirby of the State Department uh, said that uh, since Israel has come under intense public uh, scrutiny on uh, Monday, uh, particularly because of the Palestinian death toll in Gaza, which Hamas, which, by the way, is pure propaganda, asserts as well over 13,000. Uh, the phrase, the, the phase of the campaign is entered into Gaza hospitals where Hamas has operated, held arms and hostages. You heard about the famous Shifa hospital situation. Uh, there was an attempt to spin this as a war crime on Israel's part to go into a hospital and, uh, and uh, you know, clear it out. Uh, well, it's turned out that at Shifa Hospital, there is video of one Israeli uh, soldier, a 19-year-old woman, by the way, uh, being brought into the hospital alive, supposedly for treatment, and in a Hamas operative coming up and shooting her, killing her mm. in cold blood. This is on their security cameras. This is not an IDF mock-up. So, uh, you know, the, the fact of the matter is uh, the U.S. has evidence that Hamas has used the Shifa hospital in Gaza as one of their uh, main command and control centers. We find out that there are uh, terror tunnels uh, that have been uh, exposed underneath the Shifa hospital. And so there is no length that these people will go to uh, to defend themselves in this set of circumstances. Uh, spokesman Kirby also had harsh words. This is from the Jerusalem Post. For those who accuse Israel of genocide for its campaign against Hamas, in the aftermath of the group's brutal attack on Israel, which killed over 1,200 people. Uh, Kirby stated, the word genocide is getting thrown around in a pretty inappropriate way by a lot of folks. What Hamas wants is genocide. They want to wipe Israel off the map, and they have said they are not going to stop. That is what happened on October 7th, and it will happen again. Mm. So if that's our official position as a government, good on us. Yeah. God said, I will bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. Right. If on the other side of the coin, we're trying to play two sides against the middle, and there have been some uh, very strong critiques of Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and what his ultimate motives are and why uh, the United States seems so schizophrenic in terms of the Iranians and uh, Israel and military aid and giving the Iranians all this money and so on. Uh, we're going to have to just wait and see how it all shakes out. But understand one thing. Uh, he who watches over Israel doesn't slumber or sleep. God knows who's doing what and why. Right. So, uh, you know, let's let's watch and see uh, what comes out of there. I really don't believe that Israel will go for 
uh, a piecemeal uh, release of a few hostages in exchange for the fact uh, that uh, Gaza would use this to either retrench and take out more IDF soldiers as a result of being able to uh, you know, get back off their heels and, and so on. Uh, I, I don't think Israel is going to do that. Uh, I do think that this could end up being a propaganda a ploy saying the Gaza people saying, see, we've, we've offered peace and these awful Israelis, they, they just don't want to be at peace right. at all. Over the weekend, another interesting detail in the terms of strong delusion in our days, uh, one of uh, the most popular trends on TikTok uh, were people uh, reading Osama bin Laden's letter to the United States hmm. where he justified the 9-11 attacks and any terrorist attacks in the United States uh, for two reasons. Number one, because the United States is pro-Israel and because uh, Israel is an affront to Islam, uh, the United States is an open target, and because the United States is a democracy, every man, woman, and child in the United States is responsible for that policy, and so they are all valid targets of, uh, of violence, of, of murder. Right. Uh, you want to call it murder. Uh, the thing that amazed me was it trended on TikTok and all these uh, seemingly college-educated people, especially a lot of women, were saying, I read... Osama bin Laden's letter to America, and it changed my life. It was like an existential moment for me. Mm. Now, it's eight pages long. You can read it. It's online. Yeah. It's the rantings of a homicidal maniac. Yeah. So, you know, why would someone say that this has completely changed my mind mm. about things when this guy is calling for the murder of innocent uh, men, women, and children? Mm -hmm. uh, you can't explain it rationally. You can only explain this spiritually. Right. And the Bible does speak in 2 Thessalonians 2 about how uh, because uh, they, people uh, rejected God's truth, God gives them over to a strong delusion, uh, those who did not receive the love of the truth in order to be saved. Right. Uh, so people kind of have this, well, I can take it or leave it kind of attitude towards God's truth in the Bible, the message of Jesus Christ, the life, death, and the evidence for his resurrection. But understand, every time we turn away from that, every time we say we can get along fine, without the true and living God, yeah. it's not as if we've said yes to nothing. We've said yes to something. Yeah. And you're either following God, or to quote the great 20th century philosopher Bob Dylan, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, mm. but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yeah. And I think that's what we saw on TikTok last week. Right, sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just can't see somebody saying, yeah, I'm in favor of beheading babies and killing innocent people. Yeah. And, yeah, let's watch that uh, trade tower go down, the people jumping out of the buildings. I think that's good. Yeah, right. You're right. It is Delusion. A, yes. Yeah. It's a spiritual battle. The word tells us that. Yeah. You know, principalities and powers and all these things. Yeah, think. not to be underestimated. No. And especially, these, like you mentioned as well, these days where you get so many differing ideas and different, uh, um, like you said, the, new, the news being reliable itself. That's why I'm, I'm appreciative of you giving those updates because i trust it's coming from a biblical perspective because you <laughs> could go down any route in the world that you want to well you know? i tell people i get to pull what remaining hair i have out by the roots so you won't have that's to. that's right i well, read some of these articles and i'm like oh my gosh that's right crazy it's crazy, a bit late crazy. a bit late for me in the head department <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah well thank you for that well we have some questions come in um we have one from uh from Dwayne that's uh somewhat related i, I would say his question is uh, will God save us before or after the end times? And I like how that question's worded because that 
raises another few questions. What are the end times he's talking about? This before and after, and you know, what are the, the sequence of the end times and the times we're in, basically? So yeah, and the name again of the Dwayne. Dwayne. Yeah. Hey, Dwayne, I really appreciate that question uh, because it. I, I think there comes a time where we get so used to talking about uh, events of biblical prophecy yep. that sometimes uh, you know we can almost sound like uh, you know it's inside baseball, and uh, for people yeah. that aren't really up to speed in terms of what the Bible has to say about the return of Jesus and the events leading up to it, uh, they can kind of get a bit lost in the shuffle. Right. And, and if you've ever felt that way, uh, you're in really good company. Uh, two entire uh, books of the Bible, uh, First and Second Thessalonians in particular, were written to a group of believers, even in the first century, that were uh, full of questions uh, about uh, what the end times are and, and what the return of Jesus is all about. Yep. Uh, well, let, let's see if we can give you a uh, kind of a uh, end times at 30,000 feet uh, presentation on this sort of thing, because Great. it may answer a lot of your questions. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when Jesus uh, rose from the dead, spent 40 days with his disciples, uh, providing incontrovertible uh, evidence of his resurrection, uh, Luke in, his, in the book of Acts uh, talks about many infallible proofs that he had risen from the dead. Well, one of the questions the disciples asked him uh, was this, uh, you know, at, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, what was the disciples' question all about? Well, they'd seen Jesus come. They'd seen him live a sinless life. They'd seen him perform miracles, power over nature, uh, power over even death itself. They'd seen him die on a cruel Roman cross and be risen from the dead three days later. Uh, we need to understand that the Jewish people were promised that there would come a deliverer. There would come a Messiah. The term Messiah means anointed one, one specially selected by God, uh, not just uh, to suffer for the sins of the world, like we see in passages in the Old Testament, like Isaiah 53. I'd really encourage you to read that through because 700 years before Jesus, we see the ministry of Jesus at his first coming beautifully portrayed. Mm -hmm. But there are also other passages we find in the Old Testament that speak of Messiah ruling and reigning over the world, mm -hmm. ruling and reigning in righteousness that, uh, you know, again, uh, we, we are told uh, that, uh, behold unto us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders. Right. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, the Prince of Peace. Uh, so uh, when we see this, we see that God is planning on righting this world gone wrong. First, by redeeming the hearts of human beings, which Jesus accomplished when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. Mm -hmm. We can be reconciled to a right relationship with God, to as many as received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. But that's the first phase of Jesus' ministry. The second phase is when he comes back again yep. to right this world gone wrong. Right now, between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, there's ha there has been, I guess, Dwayne, for lack of a better term, what we call an age of grace, hmm. where God has reached out to the world, to as many as will receive the message, put their faith and trust in Jesus, reconcile them to himself, forgive their sins, make them a part of his forever family, give them the gift of eternal life. But we are told that there's going to come a time where that comes to an end. In the book of Romans chapter 11, we are told when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, 
then all Israel will be saved. In other words, there's gonna come a time where this age of grace, where God puts together this body of people who are his special people, made up of Jews and Gentiles, God is once again going to deal with the world through the Jewish people, uh, primarily. Uh, and we see in the book of Revelation how that's going to happen. Uh, first of all, there's going to be 144,000 Jewish people set aside and specially empowered by God that are going to have a worldwide impact reaching the world with the message of the Messiah during that final seven-year period of time called the Tribulation. There's two Old Testament prophets that come on the scene, looking an awful lot like Moses and Elijah come back again, mm. that are going to impact the entire world so much so that uh, we are told in Revelation chapter 11 that when the Antichrist finally is able to kill them, the whole world kind of has a satanic Xmas. They uh, send presents to one another and celebrate because these two prophets who torment him so much are finally dead. Yeah. Uh, but then three and a half days later, they stand up on their feet, rise up, a huge amount of Jerusalem is destroyed in an earthquake, and then it's on, in a sense, like Donkey Kong. Mm. Uh, things get really intense after that. So this final seven-year period of time is awaiting us. What is the event that happens to this mixed group of believers, uh, Jews and Gentiles alike, that are living at the time of this age of grace but bump into that final seven-year period of time? Well, the Bible says that God has what we could call operation evacuation mm. planned for us. He is going to snatch out those who are living, who belong to him, who've received Jesus in this age of grace, who are still alive, catch them up to be with him in the clouds, will be with the Lord forever. At that moment, we'll receive our resurrection bodies, we'll always be with Jesus from that time onward. We'll be with him in heaven during this final seven-year period of time. Passages like 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 talk about the nature of being caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so right now, we are in a sense living in the last days, Dwayne. We are living in the end times. Why do we say that? Because there's no prophecy of scripture that has to be fulfilled before Jesus could come back again and snatch us out before the storm. Mm. Uh, that's why we are always told by Jesus, our number one priority is to watch. Why? Because no man knows the day or hour of Jesus' return. And so when we talk about the end times, there's kind of a broad strokes sort of definition of the end times yeah. in that there is nothing that remains that needs to happen prior to Jesus snatching us out and that final wrap up, if you will, mm. of wickedness and evil on planet earth takes place, that final seven year period of time. We're anticipating the Lord's return, could happen at any moment. Uh, there is a more specific view of the end times that describes that last seven year period of time and also what's going to happen after Jesus returns to rule and reign on this earth. Yep. Uh, and, and so that's part of the, the end times, the last days as well. And the Bible speaks in some detail about this. Essentially, uh, the final seven year period of time is going to be a time again of great outreach. God is going to use the Jewish people to impact the whole world, but it's also going to be a time where the Antichrist that you've heard so much about, the beast, rises and rules and reigns as a last day's world-dominating dictator. Yep. He is going to proclaim himself God to be worshipped. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole world is going to marvel at him. He's going to receive a mortal head wound that is miraculously healed. Mm -hmm. He's going to have a protege called the false prophet who will be able to do miracles in his presence. And people say, well, seeing's believing. Yep. And uh, the only people to be able to see the difference between this false Christ and the real Christ 
are those who read this book. Right. <laughs> yeah. If you don't receive the, the love of the truth in the Bible yeah. in order to be saved, you're probably going to get taken in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's what's going to go on there. The Bible also describes that seven year period of time as God's wrath, his righteous judgment poured out upon a Christ rejecting world. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we believe that we as Christians are not going to go through this. Mm -hmm. Because although Christians have been persecuted down through times, you want to be persecuted, you don't have to go very far in this world. Yeah. Go to any Muslim nation and stand on a street corner and declare that Jesus is God, see what happens to yeah. you. Uh, but the, the, the thing we need to understand is the Bible refers to this as a time of God's wrath. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, we are told that God is not destined to us for wrath, yep. but for salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus already bore God's wrath for our sins when he died on the cross. Right. That's why, in a sense, we get that get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, I know, Dwayne, there's people who say, well, that doesn't seem fair. Why do Christians get snatched out before this horrible tribulation storm and other people have to go through it. Well, you know, yeah, I wouldn't say it's fair. It's gracious. Why is it fair that I get to go to heaven and have my sins forgiven, even though I'm the worst sinner that I know personally? It's because Jesus died for me. And all he said is that if I put my faith and trust in him, believe what he did for me, that I'd be forgiven. You know, Jesus himself put it this way. He who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He has passed from, uh, he will not enter into judgment, he, will pa he has passed out of death into life. Yep. All I have to do, all you have to do, all anyone has to do is simply in their heart say to God, God, I believe what your son has done for me. Hmm. I believe he paid the price for my sins and I admit I've got sin. I believe he died for those sins when he died on the cross and I believe he rose from the dead. Hmm. Please come into my heart, forgive my sins, make me a brand new person. You do that, you can be part of God's forever family. Hmm. Now Jesus is going to physically return to earth at the end of that seven-year period of time, uh, he's going to defeat the armies of the Antichrist, uh, and at that point, he's going to set up a thousand-year reign where uh, righteousness rules and reigns. Believe it or not, at the end of that thousand years, the Bible tells us there's going to be one final rebellion against God, even after living in a perfect world, with perfect government, perfect uh, faith replaced by sight. You can actually see Jesus. Still not enough. What is wrong with people? Yeah. Well, we're fallen. That's what's wrong with us. We are sinful. Uh, but the, when Jesus, when this happens, this, these enemies are going to be routed and uh, there's going to be Judgment Day. Judgment Day is going to take place at a place called the Great White Throne Judgment. If you haven't received Jesus' forgiveness, you'll get the opportunity to have your day in court. Uh, you can say, I'm a pretty good person. Mm -hmm. Well, you'll get a chance to see just how good you really were. Yeah. And the names won't be changed to protect the not-so-innocent. So, um, the Bible says that no one at that judgment is going to enter into eternal life. Yeah. You're going to show how far you fell. Yeah. Then at, after that, we are told that God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And uh, we get a beautiful picture at the end of the book of Revelation about this uh, uh, awesome new creation that we're going to get a chance to be a part of forever. Mm. So that, in essence, is what the last days and the end times are all about. Great. Kind of a 30,000 foot sort of thing. Maybe it raises more questions than it answers. But hopefully that'll give you uh, some, uh, some uh, ability to be able to uh, make some sense of what yeah. we're talking about when we talk about the end time. That's right. That's great. Yeah, because like you say, we do. We get into the details and the nitty-gritty, so it's good to have that overview as well. So thank you, Dwayne, for that question. Appreciate that. Hope that helps you out. Uh, question from Mike. Is baptism of the Holy Spirit a real thing, or is it misunderstood, or what is it? 
I keep being told I need it, but I'm not sure about it. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is well, a real thing. It is a real thing, and it is a real thing because it's described for us in no uncertain terms in the Bible. In the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit described in this way. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12 says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we've all been made to drink into one Spirit. So uh, when someone says, well, I don't believe the Bible teaches a baptism of the Holy Spirit, well, we see this taught right here. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when, you know, when we think about baptism, we think about immersion. That's what the word literally means in the original language. The minute we become Christians, God takes us and spiritually immerses us, if you will, into his body. We become part of the body of Christ. Uh, we are made to drink of one spirit. What Jesus, what Paul's referring to there are Jesus' words in John chapter 7 and verse 37. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For the one who believes in me out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It says, this he said concerning the Holy Spirit, who was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So this idea of receiving the Holy Spirit, but receiving it in an overflowing way, that is, in essence, another aspect of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about. Uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as we mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, is that immersion into the very body of Christ. But it also speaks about the Holy Spirit coming upon us to give us the power to live the Christian life. Uh, you know, again, we, we mentioned uh, Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended, and they're questioned about, are you going to you know, bring the kingdom of God together now? Uh, in that same conversation in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, we read, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, a uh, fascinating thing about this is that uh, the disciples, uh, we are told, uh, not only believed that Jesus rose from the dead, they had seen him with their own eyes. We're told in the book of Luke that Jesus breathed on them mm -hmm. and said, right. receive the Holy Spirit. So they had received the Holy Spirit in a sense. Mm -hmm. But there was another sense where they had not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I mean by this. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about three different relationships that all believers have with the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is with you and will be in you. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I call your attention to uh, these interesting prepositions. Mm -hmm. uh, remember Schoolhouse Rock? You know, we learned about parts of speech. These prepositions, the word with and in mm -hmm. are used here. The Holy Spirit with us refers to the work that the Holy Spirit, in a sense, does from the outside uh, when he draws us to a saving relationship with him, revealing God's truth to us. We are told in John 16, verses 9 through 11, that when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Uh, you know, sin because they don't believe in me, of righteousness because I go to the Father. You see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. 
What's the Holy Spirit here to do? He's here when we're non-Christians to show us three things. Number one, we got a sin problem that separates us from God. Mm. Number two, righteousness, a right relationship with God's available because Jesus died for us. Number three, our eternal destiny is going to be decided based on whether we accept or reject that relationship. Now, if the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal that to you, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 that the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness to him, because they're spiritually discerned. Mm -hmm. Unless the Holy Spirit reveals that truth to you, you, you can't understand it. Right. But the Holy Spirit is here to reveal that truth to people. Mm -hmm. So the Holy Spirit is with us. The minute we receive Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit is in us. Mm -hmm. As Jesus said, he's with you, he will be in you. Yep. The book of Colossians, we're told Christ in you is the hope of glory. In Romans chapter 8, we're told that if anyone does not have the Holy Spirit in them, they're not saved. Uh, and uh, the book of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. When we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into us. He causes us to be born again causes us to have our sins forgiven, causes us to be reconciled into a right relationship with God. We are as saved, we have as much of the Holy Spirit as we're ever going to have at that particular moment. But there is another ministry of the Holy Spirit. Remember the disciples had all that going for them mm -hmm. in Acts chapter 1. They had seen the risen Lord, they believed in him, the Holy Spirit had revealed that truth to them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I think when Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But he said there was one other experience with the Holy Spirit they did not have that they still needed to have. Mm -hmm. And that is something he speaks of in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, mm -hmm. and you will be my witnesses. Now notice, we've talked about three prepositions here. The Holy Spirit with us mm -hmm. to draw us to salvation in us the minute we're born again. Mm -hmm. But here Jesus comes to genuine people who've had the with and in yep. and says the Holy Spirit is now going to come upon. upon you. In other words, don't try to do anything until right. that coming upon power of the Holy Spirit is given to you. Mm -hmm. And so there's these three relationships with the Holy Spirit. So I think when people are saying to you, uh, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, it gets confusing because yep. in a sense, You've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. He has immersed you into the body of Christ. Yep. But when they talk about this baptism of the Spirit, what they're referring to is Jesus' statement here that you are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not too many days from now. In other words, this coming upon power of the Spirit is going to fill you and overflow your heart. Among the things the baptism of the Holy Spirit allows us to do is to function in spiritual giftedness. Uh, before that comes upon us, the Lord can use us to a certain extent. But I think there are certain sign gifts, certain manifestations of the Holy Spirit that come upon us when we receive that gift by faith. Yes. Now, how do you get that coming upon power? You know, I just love what Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says. It's so simple. It says, uh, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, it's a constant, ongoing thing. Yep. In the book of Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? Right. 
In the book of Galatians, Paul said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Does he do works and miracles among you by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? In other words, when I come to the Lord and I say, you know what, Lord, I want your power in my life. I want you to overflow my life. I want you to give me supernatural abilities to be more than I ever dreamed that I could be. As I share your word, as I minister in the body of Christ, please give me that coming upon power. That's another name for what we would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, is you know, you're saying there's another experience of the Holy Spirit after salvation? Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. And, uh, you know, I don't just say there's a second one. I think it's one that we need to have every day. Yep. Uh, you know, it's a renewable resource. I can't live off of yesterday's manna. Right. Just because, you know, I really properly hydrated yesterday isn't going to do me any good if I don't drink anything today. Yep. So, you know, the interesting thing is in that passage in Ephesians where it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The nuance in the original language carries the idea of be constantly filled mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit. And, and so, you know, many times during the day, I'll ask the Lord, Please fill me with the Holy Spirit. I'll look at things and I'll go, man, this person's sharing a problem. I have no clue what they're, yeah. you know, the answer is. Please fill me with the Spirit. So, you know, or someone really irritates me or I'm feeling like I'm on the edge of really getting bitter and angry. Oh, Lord, please fill me with the Holy Spirit. Just love this person through me. Yeah. You know, give me that fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit we receive right. with that coming upon power. Now, that isn't to say that someone who's never asked for that can't move in a powerful way, can't walk in love. But boy, uh, Jesus seemed to think that it was something worth waiting for. Yeah. And uh, in the book of Acts, there seemed to be a distinct difference uh, that was noticeable to the disciples, like in Acts 19, where Jesus came across uh, some believers and he asked them, were you filled with the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they go, we haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. So they definitely <laughs> needed something yeah. more than what they have. Now, were these non-believers, were they unsaved people uh, at that point? I don't believe so. Uh, I believe they were as saved as they're ever going to be. Mm-hmm. But they needed that coming upon power of the Spirit. And the coming upon power of the Spirit is so impressive. Uh, we're told that a, uh, a false uh, uh, prophet, a magician, by the name of Bar Jesus, uh, or, or I should say Simon the Sorcerer, in Acts chapter eight, actually came to Peter and John and said, uh, "I'll pay you money if you give me the power that when I lay hands on people, they receive the Holy Spirit." Mm. So it's a very powerful thing. Yeah, you know, it's not just a, well, you know, you, we're gonna, you know, but you know, the Lord gives the Holy Spirit as He wills. It's not a cookie cutter thing. It's not a one size fits all. It's not necessarily evidenced by one spiritual gift, like speaking in tongues. It can be evidenced by a number of different spiritual gifts. It can be evidenced by the greatest spiritual gift, the presence of God's love. But it's up to the Lord how to do that. And if you you really want to explore that issue a little bit more in depth, highly recommend a book by Pastor Chuck Smith called Living Water. Probably one of the most balanced, scripturally solid uh, explanation of the ministry and gifts of the Holy Spirit, yeah. how we receive them, what the baptism of the Holy Spirit's all about. And if, uh, boy, you, you want a gift that keeps on giving, just go, I think you can get it at our website, can't you? CalvaryChristianFellowship.com. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Or if it's not there, go yeah. to Amazon.com, get, get it there. Uh, but, uh, boy, it's a great read, very simple, very yeah. accessible. It'll change your life. Yeah, because this is an issue that will differ from church to church and denomination to denomination this is one of those areas oh absolutely the holy spirit the relationship with the holy spirit you yeah. know whether you, this is a separate act and all that stuff so it's yeah. definitely something to to discern um so we're 
where was the, the Holy Spirit in Old Testament times? Because we know in creation, the Holy Spirit was brooding over the water, right? right? And Jesus said, you know, New Testament time, so to speak, you know, I need to go so the helper will come, the Holy Spirit. So Old Testament times, was the Holy Spirit just kind of kicking it in heaven waiting to come or was he with us at that time no and and i think there's a really interesting scripture that uh explains something about the holy spirit and this can keep us out of some other uh, misconceptions that people get into the holy spirit is the third person of the trinity as right. such he is fully god yep. there's one god who exists in three persons father son and holy spirit one in essence is god distinct in person father son and holy spirit in psalm 139 david makes an interesting statement he says, where can I flee from your presence? Or where can I go from your spirit? Right. If I ascend into heaven, you're there. Yeah. Make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. Take yeah. the wings of the dawn, dwell in the remotest part of the sea. Even there, your right hand will guide me, your hand will lay hold of me. Yeah. In other words, there's nowhere you can go where the Holy Spirit isn't. Mm -hmm. However, in different times, God works among his people in different ways. Mm -hmm. In the Old Testament, it appears that the Holy Spirit, although present, although I believe, uh, still having that ministry of opening people's eyes to yep. the truth of God, because without that, we're dead in the water, right? right. But when it comes to uh, empowering someone, equipping someone for special service, like the prophets yep. that we would see in the Old Testament, it appears that the Holy Spirit would come upon a person for a time, and then when that person had fulfilled whatever purpose they had, uh, the Holy Spirit, in a sense, would, in a sense, back off. Mm. It wouldn't indwell them right. permanently the way he does us. Yeah. Uh, you know, it seems that the death of Jesus on the cross, paying the price for our sins, right. past, present, and future, made us now uh, sanctuaries, if yeah. you will. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, and so because of that, we have this different relationship with him where he's never going to leave us and never forsake us. He's yeah. never going to abandon us. He dwells within us. Yeah. And that indwelling, of the Holy Spirit is something that I think Old Testament saints could only look forward to yeah. and almost envy in a sense. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why Jesus would make radical statements like, uh, you know, among those born of women, no one's arisen greater than John the Baptist, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Hmm. Uh, why would we be greater than John the Baptist? Well, because John the Baptist had that Old Testament relationship yeah. with the Holy Spirit come upon with power come upon to accomplish things that God wanted to accomplish, um, you know, not, you know, just leaving them bereft or feeling like they're orphans or something like that, but certainly not in the indwelling, in, uh, empowering work that he does within us as believers. Yeah. We have this high, high privilege yeah. as believers in Jesus, but the Holy Spirit was present and the Holy Spirit was active. The Holy Spirit was in the business of leading people into a saving relationship with God, mm -hmm. showing them that it was only by faith uh, that they could be right with God. Yep. You know, that's why David could say in Psalm 51, uh, you know, uh, if you wanted sacrifices, I would offer, but the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh Lord. These will, you, you will not despise. Yeah. You know, he said, you know, I, I can't offer another sacrifice. I can't try to keep another commandment. It's only that, that brokenness, that need for you right. that makes me right with you. Right. And that was something that the Holy Spirit revealed. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, again, we have a deeper connection, more relational connection with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who indwells us bears witness with our spirit mm. that we are God's children. 
He's the one that uh, gives us that you know that you know that you know that you're part of the family of God. He's the one that allows us to cry out to God, Abba, Father. He's the one that leads us into all truth as we open up the scriptures. He's the one who empowers us with spiritual gifts. Sometimes we don't even realize yep. that we're using a spiritual gift. The That's Holy right. Spirit in and through us uh, will do that. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and, and so we have this higher privilege with the Holy Spirit now than, than yeah. what Old Testament saints had right. before. And I'm always struck whenever we talk about this subject, I'm struck by that, the privilege you read about, you know, entering the Holy of Holies and the prophets, and we're just a walking temple. Yeah. I'll take it for granted, I think. A yeah. Lot of the time. yeah. Well, the Jewish high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies one day out of the year yeah. on the Day of Atonement. And the ceremonies it took and, to get. Yeah. And you had yeah. to be completely and totally cleansed. You messed up. You could be struck dead in God's presence. Right. It was a trembling. Of, now we're told that because of what Jesus has done, we have boldness to enter the holiest place by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us. Yeah. Hebrews says, through the veil, right. through the heavenly veil. Right. You know, in the Old Testament, temple they used to have this huge curtain yep. that separated where the ark of the covenant was from the holy place yep. and woven into this carpet we're told by uh by writers like josephus was the image of this scary looking angel with a sword saying keep out this means you <laughs> uh only one day a year could that high priest go in but now we are told that when jesus died that huge curtain that josephus said uh was so thick and so heavy uh, that if you uh, tied horses to either side of it, they couldn't pull it apart. Mm. Uh, it tore from the top to the bottom. Right. Uh, you know, in, in other words, when Jesus died, that access into the very presence of God was made available yeah. for us. Yeah, it's just an amazing, amazing privilege. It is. Yeah, absolutely, it is. Yeah. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. Wow. Well, we've reached the end of our show <laughs> here. That went super quick. That's, yeah. That second yeah. half, especially, we've just we've got there. But we'll time, be back again. Time flies when you're having fun. It right? sure does. Yeah. We must have been having some fun together. Yeah. Um, well, we're back tomorrow, same time and same place uh, on Tuesday. We'll be back live for more of your questions. Sorry if we didn't get your question tonight, but we'll get to it uh, tomorrow. Pastor Scott, thank you. Yeah, and uh, just a uh, shout out to you all out there. If you're looking for a place uh, to go for Thanksgiving service, we're going to have a special Thanksgiving service on Wednesday night, Wednesday night. at 630. 630. So come on out. and We are going to be thankful in the presence of the Lord. Amen to that. CalvaryChristianFellowship.com. You can check us out there. If not, we will see you tomorrow, same time, same place, for a reason for hope once again. God bless you guys. God bless you. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.